Warning, me time and murder is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Oh. <laughs> Dead on the bathroom floor with a throat. <sighs> oh God. Oh dear. On the last episode, we learned about the privileged background and disgusting man, Yurt Judding as well as the brutal murder of an innocent working mom, Sumarti Ningsi. But unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. Only a few days after the brutal murder of Sumarti, Rurik began planning his second murder on Halloween. So he bought tools, including sandpaper, nails and a blowtorch. Filming and showcasing them all on his iPhone, he described how he might use them to torture a victim before murdering her. That Halloween night, he went out and met 29-year-old Seinan Mujiasi. Seinan, like Sumardi, was also from Indonesia and had been living in Hong Kong for eight years, where she went by the English name Jessie. Seinan also originally came to Hong Kong as a domestic helper, but eventually moved on to becoming a part-time DJ in Wan Chai, supplementing her income with sex work. Like Sumardi, Seinan was also sending money home to her family in Indonesia. I couldn't get much more info on Seinan's life. For some reason, there was more about Sumardi. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of the reason. Maybe because Seinan was living in Hong Kong for longer. Maybe she didn't have a child. I'm not too sure, but that's basically all I could find. Seinan was last seen at a quarter to nine in Wan Chai. She said to her DJ co-worker she was away to have fun at a Halloween party. Apparently it began innocently enough, kissing and cuddling on the sofa. But Seinan started freaking out, yelling and screaming because she's seen a gag beside the sofa. Yurik held the knife to her throat and screamed at her that he would kill her if she were to struggle. But Seinan was not complicit. She struggled and fought for her life. But she wasn't strong enough. Yurik slashed the young woman's throat. After the murder, Rurik took a hit of cocaine. He then sat and contemplated, taking his own life. But decided against it. In the wee hours the next morning, we are now in November 1st, 2014, Rurik called the police to say, Something had happened. Something has happened. Really? After calling police, again, he had some admin work to do. He called his boss and said, I'm in a lot of trouble. You need to do something about the reputation of the bank. Seinan was still breathing when police arrived like this must have been hours. Tragically, it was too late. Like they didn't come in time and she died at the scene before the ambulance could get there. Rurik babbled incoherently at the scene while he was arrested, still high on cocaine. As the Hong Kong police investigated the flat, they found the 12-inch serrated knife, sex toys and more cocaine. Eight hours of investigating later, they finally made it to the balcony and we know what's out there. This is where they discovered the large black suitcase. They opened it up and inside they found the decomposing 
and partially decapitated body of Sumardi. Although he had called police on himself, Rurik refused to cooperate with the police. One of the only things of merit or that's interesting he said to the police when referring to Zainan was that she was the prey he had been hunting. Before trial, Yurik had to undergo psychological tests and evaluations and examinations. Turns out he has, or had, has? Turns out he has an IQ of 137. Smart cookie. This puts Rurik in the top 1% of the population. But, like, we know that a lot of serial killers, like, can be very intelligent. Like, well, well, with a high IQ. Doesn't, like, whatever. Before trial, Yurik underwent psychological examinations and tests to see if he's fit to stand trial. But he also tested positive for a plethora of psychological disorders. He had sexual sadism disorder, cocaine use disorder, and alcohol use disorder. But he was found fit to stand trial. Like, he still knew right from wrong. Much of Rurik's backstory, which I told in episode one, was revealed in the trial and his defence argued that because of his childhood trauma and and as well as the fact that he had a narcissism personality disorder from an early age, that the court should exercise some form of leniency. Rurik and his lawyer said that he was happy and wanted to plead guilty to manslaughter. Claiming it was manslaughter because it was due to demolished responsibility. Demolished? Diminished responsibility. Like I said in episode one, unfortunately, the jury are sort of like victims too in this case. They had to watch over four hours of Rurik's iPhone recordings. The the video shown him topless, unshaven, and like a mess, and period periodically taking cocaine. He recorded torturing Sumarti. He made poor Sumarti eat poo and urinated in her mouth and and when she vomited, which you would, he forced her to eat the vomit. In the video he threatened to cut her nipples off with the knife and also recorded her forcibly taking drugs. Eventually on the camera the jury had to watch the video of Sumardi's dead body laying face down near the toilet. He then turned the camera on himself and said I just killed someone. The first person I've ever killed. I cut her throat in the bathroom to be precise. I cut her throat while she was bending over and licking the dirty toilet bowl. I treated her as a non-person, as a sex object, and that turned me on. Yurik went on in the iPhone footage to boast about how much money he made, but that he had job depression. Boo-hoo. So he quit. He also said in the iPhone footage he was soon to be unemployed, part-time rapist and murderer. I feel bad for the courtroom and jury 
having to watch these videos. Like, I haven't even included all of, like, the there was more bad stuff. There was stuff that was too, too gross, like, worse than that. I didn't want to say out loud. But um, you, you can find the writing online. I don't believe the iPhone footage is free to the public, thank God. On the 8th of November 2016, Rurik Jutting was found guilty on two counts of murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Thank God. Although, I think he should have got, like, time for torture. Like, obviously, but I just think it should have been acknowledged. Like, obviously, he will die in prison, but the torture should have been acknowledged. And the capture, like, the kidnapping. No, whatever. Ugh. So not much has been heard of since um, he was tried and convicted. In 2018, Hong Kong's Court of Appeals rejected his appeal after only eight minutes of deliberation. Of course, we are happy that Rurik Jutting is locked away, but we can't forget the everlasting trauma and grief that Sumarti and Sainan's family are continuing to go through knowing what happened to their daughters and it being such like a famous case in Hong Kong I think it's colloquially known as the suitcase murders um yeah it's very famous so yeah this was episode two without Tres. I would love your feedback um tell me is there something I could do more something I could do less please reach out to me on Instagram I would love your feedback and again, thank you so much to our patrons. Thank you so much, Renee, Stephanie, Eva, Justin, Vicky, Deborah, Jen, Toya, Laura, Jason and Terry, Sydney and Andre, Karen, Liana, Sarah, Angelina, Lou Marie, Sarah G, Kirsty B, Francesca. Thank you so much for your support, guys. It really means the world to me. You guys are awesome. Um, thank you. Bye. Me Time and Murder would like to thank and acknowledge our sources that make this podcast possible. References can be found on our Instagram page.